Oh, well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Great to have you with us here today. Welcome to you all. we got folks still making their way in this weekend. want to take some time to say welcome to you. Um, happy Veterans Day weekend for any veterans that we have here today. Thank you so much for your service. We're, we're honored to have you with us here today as we're worshiping the Lord together. Uh, I, I want to begin our time reading some scripture to us. Psalm 18, 1 and 2 says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. My Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I want you to think about all the ways that God is described in this, right? Listen to this again. He's my strength, he's my rock, he's my fortress, he's my deliverer, he's my God, he's my refuge, he's my shield, he's the source of my salvation, he's my stronghold. The idea is helping us understand how glorious and amazing and strong and powerful and trustworthy God is. Where are you standing? What are you standing on as your foundation? Is it you? Is it your desires? Is it your strength? Or do we see who our God is? I want to encourage you today as we worship, see God for who He is. Our great and amazing rock, fortress, deliverer, sustainer, shield who protects us from the fiery darts thrown at us from the evil one. This is who God is. Let's see Him for who He is and let's worship Him. So I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me. Let's pray together as we begin our time in worship. God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that you are this. You are our rock, our fortress, our deliverer, our shield, the source of our salvation. You are our everything. I pray that you would forgive us for all the many times we tried to stand on other things as a really shaky foundation. But I pray, God, that we would see today that you are our rock and that we can trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, stand with us, guys, as we worship the Lord together.
may be seated for this week's announcement. Good morning, Southview family. We're so excited that you're here worshiping with us this morning. Here are the big three announcements for this morning. We will be taking a trip to the Operation Christmas Child Distribution Center in Charlotte on November 28th. If you're interested in serving, that service would be from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Text OCC to the church number. Ladies, make plans today to join us for the annual Ladies of Grace Christmas Brunch on Saturday, December 9th at 10 a.m. in the Family Life Center. Tickets go on sale today outside the sanctuary on the Children's Wing. Are you interested in serving on the worship team? We have several opportunities to serve, including the tech team, band, or vocals. Please come to an information meeting on December 3rd if you're interested in joining this team. We encourage everybody to download the Southview Baptist Church app from iTunes or Google Play. This app will allow you to see announcements, sign up for events, find a journey group, view previous sermons, or access the notes for today's sermon. There are multiple ways to give here at Southview. You can give online on the app, or you can give at the giving boxes as you exit the sanctuary. If you're a guest visiting with us today, we're so excited that you're here. You can help us by texting the word CONNECT to the church number. This will help us to know who you are, um, how we can pray for you, and if there's any specific way that the church can minister to you. Thank you all for worshiping with us today. Let's continue to worship Jesus Christ through song. Amen. Amen. So, as we think about worshiping together, I want to read to you again Psalm 18, 1 and 2. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, and in whom I take refuge, my shield. And the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Here's what I want you to do. So in just a few moments, we're going to stand. We're going to sing some more. And I want to encourage you, don't just mindlessly go through the words that are about to pop up on the screen, okay? I want you to think about what we're singing. And I want you to focus specifically on this. What we're singing, what we're proclaiming as to who God is. Right? God's power to save us. God's, God's, God's um, hope in our time of sorrow. God is our salvation when we have no way out. God is the rock on which we stand. As we think through these things, as we sing these truths, I want you to encourage you to focus in on who God is. What we're going to see today is that we may be filled with the knowledge of God. One of the ways that we're filled with the knowledge of God, who He is, how He works, what He desires, is through the songs that we sing. So I want to encourage you. Really think through these words and let them speak to your heart and fill you with understanding as to who God really is. So Lord God, this is our prayer and our praise that we would set our hope, our mind, our hearts, our desires on who you are, that we would grow in our knowledge of who you are, be forever changed by you. Do this in us, Jesus, for your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, let's stand together as we continue to worship.
thank you, Jesus, for your word. We ask you, Lord God, that you would open up your scriptures and speak so powerfully and clear to your people for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's find Colossians chapter 1 together, all right? Colossians 1, we're going to start in verse 9 here in just a few moments. But while you're finding that, a couple of quick housekeeping announcements for you. One, um, Operation Christmas Child boxes are due. You saw on the video that we're heading out in a couple of weeks to the distribution center. We want to make sure all those are in. So if you can bring those boxes back and put them up here, we would appreciate that. So we can get those sent off. Also, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, we're going to have our business meeting for the budget for 2024. We encourage you to be here for that at 4 o'clock today in the Family Life Center. And then lastly, uh, December 16th, we're going to have a big Christmas party. It's going to be a blast. We're calling it uh, Carol's Cookies and Chili. We're going to come together. We're going to sing a bunch of Christmas carols. We're going to eat some cookies um, and then we're going to have a chili cook-off. Uh, so really excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you'd like to sign up for that, you can text the word CAROLS, C-A-R-O-L-S, CAROLS, to our uh, number, 910-424-1298, to sign up for that. And that is going to be a lot of fun. That's December 16th, so you're not going to want to forget that. All right, so we're in a series that we're calling More. And if you've been with us, you know the idea behind the series is there are five or six uh, what's called pastoral prayers in the New Testament, right? Prayers, the Apostle Paul is praying over his church as the pastor. And we're just taking some time to study those to see what the Apostle Paul is praying for and how that could impact and change our lives. And so today... We're going to see in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is praying that they'll be filled with more knowledge of God so that they can bear out more fruit for God. Um, So Christianity is profoundly practical. Don't let it confuse you, all right? Don't get all caught up in the weeds and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Christianity is very practical. Here's the idea. Jesus Christ died for your sin because you are a rebel against God. You go your own way, you do your own thing. The Bible describes us as sheep without a shepherd. We don't know what to do, so we go flying off the cliff. But Jesus came and he died in your place for your sin, to take away that sin, to take away God's wrath on that sin, and to make you a son, a daughter of God. And in the process of that, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that he makes you a new creation in Christ. You become literally brand new, which means you now are different. At its basic root is this. Being a follower of Jesus makes you live differently. You're different now. Right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you love Jesus, you live for Jesus, then you do the things Jesus tells you to do and don't do the things Jesus tells you not to do. Right? Being a Christian changes your life. But what I want us to see today is, okay, that's great, yes, but how does that happen? Right? How does that work? I think a lot of us here today, you desire to grow spiritually. That's why you're here on a Sunday morning. Right? You want, I believe you're in this room today because to some degree, on some level, you desire to grow spiritually. Unless someone brought you here and tricked you. I mean, other than that, I don't know. 
Maybe they picked you up this morning, like, hey, let's go get breakfast. And they swing in the parking lot here, like, I thought we're getting breakfast. Yeah, here's a donut. Shut up. Go inside. Other than that, if you're here, you're on your own volition. It is because to some degree you want to grow spiritually. You're just trying to figure out what that looks like. How does that work? What does that mean? So I think Colossians chapter 1 gives us insight into this. Gives us insight into the prayer of the Apostle Paul. So, okay, how, how do we grow spiritually? Like, how does that work? So if you came today with any question about how do you grow in the Lord, I pray by God's grace today we're going to get an answer to that. All right, so Colossians chapter 1, let's pick it up in verse 9 together, all right? Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. He says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Okay, real super quick, stop there. Don't worry, I'm going to pick it up in bigger chunks as we go. You're not going to be here all day. But let's think about this. The Apostle Paul here, and, and this is, I think, going to be, somebody in this room needs to hear this, okay? He's saying, from the day we heard about you, what God's doing in your life, the things that you may be struggling with, what we desire for God to do in your life, we have not ceased to pray for you. Can I just encourage you just for a quick moment? Somebody in the room, hear me, please. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't start praying. Don't stop praying for the thing that you're desiring God to do in your own life, for the things you're desiring for God to do in the lives of those around you that you love. Don't stop praying. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. James 5 says, The prayers of the righteous accomplish much. Much. Keep praying. And that's one of the reasons why we're going through these prayers here in the New Testament. It's because it gives us kind of fuel for our prayers. What do we don't? Sometimes you, you keep praying and you want to keep praying, but you don't know what to like. I feel like I run out of stuff to pray. Like I don't know what to pray. I'm keep praying the same things. This kind of gives us a little fuel, some ideas of things to be praying through. So don't stop praying. What is he praying? Verse 9 again. So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has glorified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What I want us to see in this text is Paul is not content. He's not okay with apathy. He's not good with us just being where we are. He's not content with status quo. He wants to see us grow. This idea of more, more, more. I want, as you read through these, these prayers in the New Testament that we have for you, that we've been going through, I want that word to keep rattling around in your spirit. More, more, more. This is what God is desiring. He wants you to experience even more of him, to walk in even greater knowledge of him, to experience even more fruit bearing out in your life. He wants to see you have even more. So how do we grow spiritually? How do we have more spiritual growth in our life? Well, our big truth that we're going to unpack for today is this. 
We grow in our spiritual life by growing in our knowledge of God and his will, specifically for us in our lives and what he desires for us to do. We grow in our spiritual life by growing in our knowledge of God and of his will. So look at verse 9. So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Here's what he's praying. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I want you, if you have a Bible, you have a pen, pencil, mascara, Crayola, crayon, like whatever. Underline some words. Filled with the knowledge of his will. That word filled means an ongoing feeling, a constant. Like there's never comes a point where it's capped and you're done now. It's a constant feeling, a constant feeling, a constant feeling, a constant feeling. You're constantly be filled up with what? With the knowledge of his, that's God's will. Knowledge of God, who God is, what he desires for you, what his will is for your life. How do you practically apply that? And that's where we get this next part. Filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The word wisdom is sort of this general knowledge of God, his character, his ways, his nature. Understanding is the practical application living out of that knowledge. So here's where it all comes down to. You ready? Let's boil it down into one simple idea. Here's the point. The way you and I grow spiritually is to have an ever-increasing filling up our hearts and our minds, an ever-increasing growing with God, the knowledge of who God is, the knowledge of what he desires for my life, and the knowledge of how I practically live that out. Who God is, what he desires for me, how do I practically do that? That is the foundation for all spiritual growth. Let's just, I, my desire today is to make things super simple. We want to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can have one, okay? No matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, like you just got saved this morning, you woke up this morning, you're like, I got to go to church. I don't know why. I don't know. I can't find my pants, but I got to go to church, right? Whatever. You're here today. We're glad you're here. Or you've been walking with Jesus for decades. Wherever you are, let's make it simple. Here's how you grow in your faith. Here's how you grow spiritually. You have an increasing feeling over, over and over and over in your mind and in your heart of who God is, what he really desires for your life, and then how do you practically just go do that? That's the foundation for all spiritual growth. And you can do the flip side of that coin. Let's do this. Let's do the flip side of that. Here's the foundation for every dumb thing you've ever done. You ready? Here it is. It sums up. Spiritual ignorance is the root of every calamity in your life. Spiritual ignorance, not really understanding who God is, not really understanding what he desires for you, and not really understanding how you live that out. That's the foundation for bad things. That's the foundation for walking away from God. Because you've got to be filled up with something. Every one of us is filled up with something. Every one of us, is our, the gas tank of our heart is filled up with the knowledge of something that drives you. The difference is this. You're either filled up with the knowledge of God, who he is, what he desires for you, and how you practically do that, or you're filled up with the knowledge of what you want, what you desire. What you think is right for you. What you think is best. What you think is going to bear out the most good stuff in your life. 
You're filled up with something. You're driven by something. What the Apostle Paul here in Colossians 1 is going to encourage you is be filled up with the knowledge of who God is, his will for your life, and how you practically live that. Right? Every one of us, every one of us has gone through a season in life where you did something dumb. Right? It's called life. You're going to do Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks. You're going to be at grandma's house. And that idiot cousin's going to walk in. He's going to walk up and be like, do you remember that time that we went and did? You're going to be like, dude, my kids are in the room. Like, what are you doing right now? This is not a family story. We've all been in those situations, and every one of those gets boiled down to this, spiritual ignorance. If you really knew who God was, what he desired for your life, and how to practically do that, you know what? You wouldn't have been in that car. You wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have been there. Because you would have had a knowledge filled up in your heart and in your mind, knowing this is not who I'm supposed to be. You, you guys go have fun. I'm going over here. Spiritual truth versus spiritual ignorance. This is the fork in the road that's going to determine where we go. Growing in our knowledge of who God is, His will for your life, and how to practically live that out. This is the foundation for all spiritual growth. So how do we do that? How do you grow in your knowledge of God? Who he is, what he desires, how do you live that out? Right? How do you do that? Well, two things. One is this. One aspect of it is it's totally an act of God and you can't make it happen. That's one. One aspect of it is the Bible is abundantly clear. God is the one that draws you to himself. God is the one who opens the eyes to see. God is the one who reveals to hearts. God is the one who says, let there be light and light shown on your hearts to see and believe Jesus for who he is. On one hand, this is just an act of God. However, this sovereign act of God, in a way that I don't fully understand, works in conjunction with you and your decisions. Here's how this works also. The Bible equally says you and I are to pursue a knowledge of God. You and I are to seek God. You and I are to desire to be filled up in our hearts and in our minds with the knowledge of who God is and his desire for me and how do I live that out. You are to seek that. So it's an act of God and you're called to seek it. Philippians 2 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who's at work in you. So which one is it? Yes. You keep working. So how does this, how does this happen? Um, one of my favorite Bible stories that I think explains this well is Abraham and Sarah. If you're familiar with the story in the book of Genesis, Abraham and Sarah. So if you know the story, Abraham and Sarah are old, like Dirt old. The Bible uses the language as good as dead. I don't know how old you have to be to cross into the as good as dead category. I'll let you and God have that conversation, okay? But at some point, they crossed that line. They were old and they were childless. Sarah was barren. She had not had children. She was well past childbearing age, that ship had long sailed. 
Well, if you know the story, God goes to Abraham, chooses Abraham to be the father of a great nation, and tells Abraham, you're going to have a son. And a couple of angels come and tells Abraham, you're going to have a son. Sarah overhears. Anybody remember what Sarah does? She, she laughs. And I love it. Um, the, the, uh, Sarah immediately turns into your kids. Because the angel's like, did you just laugh? And Sarah's like, laugh? I've never laughed in my life. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even know what this laughing is. And so the angels say, okay, we're going to come back in a year, and we're going to see who has the last laugh. In the process of that, Sarah becomes pregnant with Isaac. She has Isaac. Anybody know what the name Isaac means? Laughing. Laughter. Right? I love that. It's like, you laughed. No, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. And you're going to be reminded every day. So think about it like this, though. Here's what I want you to understand. Sarah becoming pregnant with Isaac was an absolute, total, and complete miracle of God. That is not a thing that they could muster up. That is not a thing that they could do on their own. They had zero strength to accomplish that. That was an absolute, 100%, complete, and total miracle. God did that. And here's the next important part that I want you to understand. You know how Sarah became pregnant? Abraham and Sarah engaging in normal husband-wife marital relations. That was not an immaculate conception. Sarah didn't wake up on some random Tuesday and go, what in the world? Abraham and Sarah engaged in the normal marital relations they had for decades before that. But as they just engaged in normal activity, God supernaturally said, here. And this is the way it works with us in our spiritual growth. How do we get filled up with the knowledge of God, his work, his ways, his desires, who he is, what he desires for me? How do I live that out? How do we get filled up with that knowledge? If it's an act of God, how do we do that? By the normal means of studying the Bible. Here's the way this works. Again, I want it to be super, super simple. You learn to read when you were like four or five. You read constantly. You don't even realize that you're reading. You've been reading off this screen all day. Right now, you're reading Facebook on your phone instead of listening to me. You're reading constantly. What God desires for you to do is take the normal work of reading. The normal, everyday, you don't even think about it anymore, work of reading. Take that normal activity, apply it to his word, and let God bring a spark. So let's just get super practical. Here's what's going to happen. You wake up tomorrow morning. You set your alarm early. You walk in your kitchen, you make a pot of coffee. For you heathens that don't drink coffee, I got nothing for you. I don't know. You open up your Bible, you get a pen and a pad, you start reading, and you ask God to open up your heart to receive his word. And you just keep doing that. The day after that, and then the day after that, and then the day after that. You just do the normal thing. Quit thinking that spiritual growth is some magical lightning bolt thing. I tell you all the time, we worship Jesus Christ, not Harry Potter. There isn't some incantation where you're just like, oh, I'll, 
I obey Jesus now. You daily do the thing. And as every day you put yourself in situations where you're in God's word, you put yourself in Bible studies with other people who are in God's word, you come and regularly sit under on Sunday morning preaching of God's word, you put yourself every single opportunity you have every day you're engaging with God's word, doing the normal things of seeking to fill your mind and fill your heart with the knowledge of who God is, what he desires for you, and how you practically live that out. You seek to do that day after day after day after day after day. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to see a miracle of God in your life, just like Abraham and Sarah. Doing the normal thing by faith. By faith, believing, God, this is your word. This is the means by which you have created to fill me with knowledge of you. So I'm going to do the thing that you've given in the way that you've told to do it and believe that you're going to be true to your word and you're going to do a great work in my life. This is how it's done. Um, several years ago, um, an organization called the Institute of the Bible did a massive study on um, the Bible and reading the Bible and studying the Bible. And what they came up with eventually was what they called the power of four. What they mean was this. If someone spent at least four days a week in reading the Bible, now, there's nothing magical about four. The idea is just four is the majority of seven, right? The idea is you spend the bulk of a week in, in God's Word. People that consistently spend at least four days a week in the Bible, day in and day out, week in and week out, month after month, year after year, people who do that, the, the rates of people who do that, who struggle with things like they went with their whole list of things, Depression and anger and anxiety and pornography and all, all of these things. The number of people who struggled with that dropped drastically. Why is that? Because they're studying people who are seeking to obey Colossians 1, 9, and 10. They're studying people who are seeking to fill their heart and fill their mind with who God is, his will for their life, and how do they practically do that. And they're trusting by faith that God is going to put that in their heart and bear out good things. And you know what happens? He does. He does the thing. Trust him in this. And then real quick, let's look at some of the fruit that comes from this. Some of the things that happens when we... Seek to grow in our knowledge of God and his ways and his will and who he is. Um, verse 10, growing in the knowledge of God changes our lives. Look at verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Walk in a manner worthy and pleasing to God. That doesn't mean that you eventually come to the point where God's like, whew, I am so glad I picked that guy. He's awesome. Boy, the kingdom of God would be sunk without her. Right? That's not a thing. Okay? It doesn't matter how great you get. You're still the equivalent of the short white kid at the end of the Carolina bench. All right? You, you're going to get 30 seconds of playing time at the end of the game against St. Mary's School for the Blind. Other than that, you got nothing. All right? You're never going to be awesome. That's not the point. The point is this. You see that God is awesome. When it says we live a life worthy and pleasing, what that means is we live a life in such a way so that we understand the sacrifice that was made for us. And so as a result of that, we now desire 
to live different. Uh, this Veterans Day weekend, one of my favorite movies is Saving Private Ryan. And if you ever watched the movie, the idea is there's this group of rangers led by uh, Tom Hanks that goes looks for this kid, Private Ryan, to take him home. And uh, they trace all through Europe trying to find him. And, and, and the majority of the group is killed in the process. They eventually find him. He goes home. At the end of the movie, it jumps forward to Private Ryan, played by Matt Damon, as uh, a grandfather. And he's standing in the cemetery in front of the tombstone for the Tom Hanks character. And his wife walks up. He looks at his wife and he says something to the effect of, tell me I've been a good man. She said, what do you mean? Tell me I've been a good man. Tell me I've lived a good life. What are you talking about? And the idea is, He's realizing the sacrifice that was made before him. And as a result of that, he needs to live a life worthy of that kind of sacrifice. The point is, when you're filling your mind, you're filling your heart with the knowledge of who God is, what he did to save you, and what his desire now is for your life, you're driven to now live a life different. You're wanting to be different. You're wanting to live holy. You're wanting to live a way that is worthy and pleasing to God. Are you perfect? No. Are you going to sin? Yes. But when you do those things, you want to confess them and turn from them because you want to live a life that's worthy and pleasing. And, and it describes what a worthy and pleasing life looks like. There are the, part, the back part of verse 10. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing and the knowledge of God. So how, here's how this works. I want you to see the connection between knowing God and bearing fruit. And then knowing God and bearing fruit. So again, verse 9. Fill with the knowledge of God and his will. As a result of that, you're bearing fruit. Verse 10, as a result of that, you're growing in even more knowledge of God. So now you're bearing even more fruit. And then you're growing in even more knowledge of God and bearing even more fruit. It starts to explode. And it all comes down to this. Are you filling your heart and your mind with the knowledge of who God is, his will for your life, and how do you live that out? I had a chance this weekend to meet a young man who's an um, active duty naval officer. We were talking, and um, he says, uh, he said, man, the last several months I have just exploded in my spiritual life. He said, I've been a Christian for years since I was a kid, but the last several months has just been unbelievable. Really? So Why? He said, about six months ago, I met a group of guys who are really serious about studying the Bible. So I start meeting with them once a week, and I study the Bible with them. And as they were serious about the Bible, I got serious about the Bible. I began to grow my knowledge of God, and it has totally and completely changed me. Right? This is it. This is it. Fill with the knowledge of who God is, his will for your life. How do you do that? As a result of that, you're bearing out every good fruit in every good work. As a result of that, you're growing even more knowledge of God so that you're bearing out even more fruit and it just explodes. It's like the miracle of spiritual compound interest. Just eventually put enough in the bank where kapoom. This is how it works, guys. It's how it works. And we get a couple other things that, that, that come from this. We see in verse 11, growing in the knowledge of God gives us spiritual strength to endure. Look at verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So the words power and might are two different words there in the Greek, okay? The word power is dunamis, and it's kind of a general word for just the ability to do something, right? It's just sort of general power. 
The word might is different, though. The word might is uh, kratos, and it's a word used in the Bible only for God and his strength. So literally, the way this is describing is, is that we would be strengthened with all ability to do something according to the strength only God can give us. So as you grow in the knowledge of God, you increase in your understanding of how great and powerful and mighty God is, and you're depending on him more and more and more for the strength that only he can give. And as a result of that, we're able to what? Have endurance and patience with joy. You're going to go through difficult times and difficult seasons. You're going to have times of heartache. You're going to have times of pain. How do we endure and be patient with joy? You ever read the Bible and just think, that sounds crazy? Endurance and patience with joy. Who's signing up for that gig? Right? I vote for fun times and lollipops. But that's not life. You walk through difficult times and difficult seasons, painful things. And what's going to allow you and I to walk through those seasons with endurance and patience and all joy is what? I know who God is. What's going to allow you to walk through a painful season is not trying to manipulate those circumstances. It is not you counting down how long it's going to take for you to get to the other side. What allows you to actually walk through that is you know who your God is. And you know he is seeking to do a good work in you, even in the midst of this painful thing. And you know he can be trusted because your heart and your mind has been filled up with the knowledge of who God is, his will for your life, and how he seeks to accomplish that. So you know James 1, 2 through 4 is true of you. You know you can consider it all joy as you go through trials of various kinds because the testing of your faith is creating perseverance and endurance. And that perseverance is going to do its perfect work in making you mature and complete, not lacking anything. Because you know who God is and you know how he works and you know what he's seeking to do in you, you know i got to walk through this season because this is how God's going to make me perfect. And I want to be perfect for him. You see how it changes everything? Filled with the knowledge of God. Who he is, how he works, what he desires, how you practically live this out. It changes everything. And then in verse 12, growing in the knowledge of God brings greater thankfulness. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Growing in our knowledge of God also allows us to grow in our knowledge of ourselves. The more we see how great God is, the more we realize how not great we are and how much we need God. Right? The, the more you see how glorious God is, how big God is, you see how small you are. Um, I did some work with some church planters out in Vancouver, British Columbia several years ago. And as we're flying in, we fly over Seattle. We fly over Mount Rainier. Right, And so if you're familiar with Northwest winter. And so we're flying out, and uh, the pilot says, you know, something to the effect of, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you look out the left side of the plane, you'll see Mount Rainier coming up on us. So, so you look out, and there's this little tiny thing. It's just nothing. I'm like, it's not that big. I could do that. And then the closer we get, and the closer we get, and the closer we get, the bigger and bigger and bigger Mount Rainier gets. And you get to the point where you're flying over top of it and you're like, that is huge. 
huge. And you begin to realize how unbelievably small you are. The more you grow in your knowledge of God, who God is, and how big and glorious and amazing you are, conversely, what you also realize is how small you are, how much you need him, how thankful you are of him in his work in your life, that he makes it possible for you to even share in this inheritance with the saints, to even be his son and his daughter. You are just overwhelmed with thankfulness to him for who he is and what he's done. This is it. Are you thankful? Do you, are you filled up with the knowledge of God to the point where you see how glorious he is how beautiful he is. And as a result of that, he wants to live a life that brings glory and honor to him. You want to bear fruit in every good work. You're willing to go through times of difficulty with endurance and patience, with joy, because you know who your God is and you can trust him. You're filled with thankfulness because you know God is so good. I love him. I trust him so much. I'm just so thankful for all that he's done in my life to make me his child. Again, let's just keep it simple, guys. All of this starts with you being filled up with the knowledge of God, his will, his ways, and how you practically live out that. And that happens very simply from you putting yourself in situations you're in God's word and under God's word and hearing God's word and learning God's word and seeking to apply and live God's word. And as you do that, think about like farming. So here's the way this works. Every time you wake up in the morning and you spend time in the Bible, think of it like planting a seed in the ground of your heart. The Bible describes itself as that. Seeds planted in us. The implanted word of God. So every time you wake up in the morning, you spend time in the Word, you're planting another seed in your heart. Every time you go sit in a room with a small group of believers and open up the Bible together and study it, you're planting some seed in your heart. Every time you come and you sit down on a Sunday morning, Bible open in your lap, pen in your hand, studying God's word together as a body, you're planting some more seed in your heart. And here's the thing I know about seeds and being planted. Number one, don't be shocked if you don't get fruit if you haven't planted any seeds. People walk around like, I'm not growing in the Lord. Well, how many seeds have you put in your heart? Huh? Like it doesn't work that way. If you're not content with the fruit that you're seeing, maybe look at the seed that you're planting. But the second thing that I know is this. With God, any seed that is planted, man, that's going to bear fruit. It's going to bear fruit. It's going to happen. Trust Him. It takes time. If anybody has a garden, right, you don't plant seed. It's not jacking the beanstalk, right? You wake up the next morning, you're like, well, golly gee. Takes time. Takes time. But the fruit's going to come. Plant seeds in your heart of being filled with the knowledge of who God is, His will for your life, and how you practically live that out. Plant those seeds from God's Word in your heart. 
Let him bear out his fruit. Let him do that. And all of this is made possible because of verses 13 and 14. Let's look at that real quick. Verse 13. He, that's God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. All of this is made possible because God went on a glorious rescue mission. An amazing and awesome rescue mission. You and I, we were trapped behind enemy lines. We were stuck in the domain of darkness. We were captives of of Satan to do his will. But Jesus Christ, the great liberator, came on a rescue mission. And he did it not by force, not by might, not by physical strength. He did it by laying his life down for you. And he died on the cross for your sin, for my sin, so that the thing that keeps us stuck in the domain of darkness can be shattered and broken off of us, and we can then be transferred in to the kingdom Jesus Christ where there is redemption and forgiveness of all sin have you been set free I'm not asking you if you know about God I'm not asking you if you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sin I'm not asking you if you attend church again the book of James says that even Satan and his demons know these things about Jesus and they tremble I'm asking you Have you honestly laid your life down and said, Jesus Christ, you have my all? You have my all? Take my sin, take my shame, take my life, take my everything. It's all yours. I just want to live the rest of my life for you. If you have not done that, I want to encourage you to do that right here, right now, today. In fact, I want to ask you to bow your heads for me. And today, if you need to do this, trust by faith in Jesus Christ to rescue you. You can't save yourself. You're going to be stuck there forever. You need Jesus to rescue you. You can't make yourself clean. You can't make yourself better. You can't do those things. You're stuck. You need Jesus to rescue you and he promises to do that. He promises to do that. He came and he died and he rose again so that he can do that. You have to say, Jesus Christ, save me. I confess my sin. I confess my rebellion. I confess running from you. Save me. If that's your desire today, I just want you to do that. In your own words, just Jesus Christ, save me. I know that you died for me. Save me. your heart and your desire today, I want to encourage you as we end our time together. So you came with someone, let them know. I'll be up front here. I would love to talk with you about that. We want to help you and pray for you and encourage you. 
point you on a path so you can be filled up with the knowledge of God, who He is, His desire, His will. How do you live that out? We want to help you do that so you can be filled up with the knowledge of Him bearing fruit in every good work. For those of us today who are followers of Christ, I want us to spend some time together as we close worshiping, singing, and praying together. So we're going to sing. But as we're singing, I want to encourage you to pray and just start right now. Pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of God and His will. If you've, been not, if you've not been taking steps to actively plant God's word in your heart so that fruit can bear from that, confess that. Tell God. He knows. Confess it. Repent. Say, God, I desire to plant your word in my heart. I desire to actively seek to be filled with the knowledge of who you are and your desire for my life and how to live that out. Pray that you'll be fully pleasing to God in the way you live. Pray that you'll bear fruit in every good work. Pray that you will increase more and more and more in the knowledge of God. God, this is our desire you in this way. Walk faithfully in you. I pray, God, all over this room, I believe there are people all over this room right now who desire with everything inside of them to be filled up with the knowledge of who you are, your will, your ways, your desires for them, and how to practically do that. I believe that's all over this room. I ask you, God, that that desire today will be turned into true, legitimate covenant commitment plant seeds. Don't think of it as just getting up in the morning and having your quiet time. Think of it as getting up in the morning and going out to the field and planting seeds because you want to see real fruit bear out in your life. And I pray, God, that we would do this and see much fruit bear out for your glory. Do this in us, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, let's stand together as we worship one last time in song praising God for his faithfulness to us in all seasons of life because we know who he is, how he works and what he desires for us. Let's worship together.
God, that you stir up in us a longing and desire more and more and more for that. And we will go to your word, to your people, by faith, asking you, Holy Spirit, to impart truth into us that will bear out great fruit for your glory. We thank you for this, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week.